Welcome to the Next Step Community Church. I'm so grateful that you're here. Here at the Next Step Community Church, there's always phones going off while I'm talking. Just know that that will always happen, which is a great opportunity for you to mute your phone. Let me tell you why we ask you to shut your phone off. Um, because this is a moment for you to spend with the Lord. And we don't want you to be distracted. We don't want you to deviate. So go ahead and you don't even have to put your phone on uh, mute or vibrate. You can actually, did you know this? You could shut it off. This is shocking, I know. But let me tell you something. It's good for your soul. It's good for your soul. Here at the Next Step Community Church, we don't care if you went to sleep in the penthouse across the street or the park bench next door. You are welcome here. We've been in a series. And in this series, we've called it Family Matters because we're talking about what it looks like to be in the new family of God. What does it look like to be in the new family? family of God. Because there are certain things that you and I grew up with or in, in our culture, in our family of origin, in our household, with our traditions. And some of them are dynamite and they're wonderful. And some of the things that we grew up with are not so good. They're not helpful. And so we come, you know what? <laughs> Yesterday I was talking to somebody I said, so tell me about the church you go to. And they go, oh, no, I stopped going to church. And they told me the reasons why they stopped going to church. And here's what, in the end, I'll, I'll spare you the details. The reason they stopped going to church is because people brought their outside ideas of what family should look like into the family of God. And they hurt each other. Now, he never told me how much he hurt other people because that's the way it is. But he shared with me how other people had hurt him. So we want to be the kind of church who's growing in health, growing closer and closer together as the family of Jesus. So we've been going through this series. And today we're going to talk about how to be a family of peace in a world of despair. And so we're going to change it up a little bit different. Usually I'll give a story from my own life. But today I invited a friend up who uh, doesn't come to our church, but I asked him to come up. Gene, would you come up? And so everybody go ahead and welcome Gene. And I wanted Gene to share his story. Here you go, Gene. Thanks for being here. So this is Gene. Um, Gene, can you tell us what the last six months, uh, what happened within the last six months? Um, six months ago, um, my fiance had passed away. Right. Um, through cancer that she was suffering for, for about a year. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you... Within that, after she passed away, I had, Go ahead and put the mic. after I passed away, I relapsed. Um, started drinking and drugging. Go ahead. Started drinking and drugging. Um, and that ended up building where to the point where I started doing it every single day. I tried to get my life back together. I found a job. 
um, I'm trying to serve, I'm trying to attend, you know, bring my life, because I isolated myself. I quit my job six months ago. I stayed home alone, and I was watching TV all day. Uh, people would call me, I would ignore it. So I isolated myself completely from the world because when she died, my world was gone. Um, all my plans that we had set up together was just completed. Um, planning to get married, planning to have kids. Um, I thought she would beat this cancer. I told her, look, we're gonna pray, have faith. We're gonna beat this. So to me, death was not an option. Um, that's, how, that's, how my, that's how I worked. I always look at the glass half full. So when she died, I, I, I believe I died with her. And then with that point, um, my sponsor, which is George, I was so happy to see him. Um, I was telling him about my situation, that she was ill. Um, and at that time, I cut off connections with him as well. And um, just, you know, just isolated myself 100%. So you found yourself using drugs every day, really super hurt by this loss. And so, and that lasted for like six months. Yes, now, that, that lasted six months. What happened like 30 days ago, about 30 days ago? So uh, about 30 days ago, um, I, was, I was home. Um, it was on a Sunday. And at home, um, I, was, I was using um, I was using pretty much, I was drinking and using crack cocaine. Um, I woke up at that Saturday I work, I, I was using, and then on Sunday I told myself, you know, I haven't been in church in a while, I was gonna get up to go to church, uh, my church um, at Central Baptist Church. And instead of doing that, I literally got my clothes ready. And I remember I had some left, yes, last night. So I went, um, to my bathroom and I took a hit. When I did that, I came out and I had a wonderful conversation with my mother. I'm telling you, amazing conversation. I took out, she seen my face change. And I saw the hurt, the hurt in her face. I saw it, um, it, it, it drove me apart. That was, my, that was my rock bottom. Cause she loves me so much. She's been through me through this whole journey. The only person after everybody left She's the one that kept me strong, kept me going, kept me together, and, and kept me, you know, to the point where, you know, I was amazed. And when I saw her hurt like that, um, I was hurt. So I just decided to use all day. Now, that was in my mind the whole time. My mom kept walking in my room, kept talking to me, and um, my heart, and she was like, you know, you broke my heart, you know. Um, I never thought you would break my heart. Once um, she said that, um, once she said that, I was just laying down all day. Um, I was thinking, I was like, I need help. I was desperate, desperate. I didn't know what I was going through. I didn't understand it to the point I do it now. I was like, I need help. What to do, what to do. Last service, one of the services I went within the six months, um, Pastor Edwin had come visited our church. And I think Pastor John was, was preaching here. Now, at that service, he had told a story. Um, he was told a story in Brooklyn where he was running. There was a guy that was praising the Lord so hard, right? Praising God so hard, but he was also using out there as well. And he spoke to him and was trying to help him, but he refused it and refused it. And for some reason, I don't know the, the full gist of the story, but for some reason that stuck in my mind. 
I remember I had Edwin's number because I was part of a committee called Missions. So that's the back end to what happened that moment. So Edwin came to my mind instantly. So I told myself, let me call him. I called Edwin, I was like, yo, Edwin, um, I need help. I'm using, I literally just use right now, I'm, I'm under the influence. Um, I tried many things. I tried, my, I tried speaking to other people, but it didn't work. But I remember he has experience and recovery house of worship. In my experience, recovery house of worship, I was like, let me, um, let me ask him. And then he stated, come see me now. I said, Edwin, I don't feel comfortable leaving my place because I am under the influence. So he said, tomorrow, come see me at 10 a.m. I was like, okay, I'm gonna come see you at 10. The next day, I felt great. I felt amazing. Everything passed. So I was, I was thinking about my job and everything. So I was not gonna go see Edwin any, anymore. So I was like, I woke up. I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm gonna go to work. And in my mind, when I thought that, at that same moment, I got a text from Edwin. Gene, thinking of you, been praying for you. Um, hope to see pretty much something in the gist of that. Once I got that text, I knew immediately that I had to come here. I had to come meet him. So I knew that I had to, you know, this, I had to take care of my, my situation first. So I came here, um, he, we spoke, he introduced me to Chris, and they sent me out to rehab. Now, um, mind, mind you, rehab, this is my first time going to rehab. I would have never known that this is something I needed. Now, having those days clean and learning so much from that, from that experience have made me stronger coming here. Um, instantly that same day on Friday, I went home, I found a meeting literally close to my house that opens, at, that has a meeting at 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. at night. So I committed myself to going to those meetings and um, each meeting is like, wow, I felt like I was a part of a community. I felt, I felt a sense of belonging. I had a void that was filled from experiences that share similar experiences to mine. And I was so grateful. So at that time, I knew that meetings are my medicine, and I'm prescribing myself that twice a day. Mm -hmm. awesome. Thanks for coming. Gene, thanks for sharing your story. Awesome. Now, the reason, I, the reason I brought that up, the reason that I brought that up was because every one of us gets to a moment of despair. Every one of us hits a block where you go, life is not supposed to go this way. That this is not the way things are to be. And if you're in the world, when you hit that wall, then you can do one of two things. You can run away from God or you can run towards God. Gene ran away like many of us do. And God was merciless in his pursuing of him. Isn't that good news? He just kept on pursuing him. God pursued him and pursued him. Now he has 28 days clean. 28 days clean. Now watch this. Listen to me. Listen to me. You're going to go through moments like that in your marriage where you think you can't go on any further and you're going to want to run away from God. There are going to be moments like that with your health. There are going to be moments like that in your singleness. There are going to be moments like that in every aspect, in your job, in every aspect of life. And you're going to have a decision. And so today we're going to look at what does the family of God look like? How does the family of God live at peace in a world of despair? 
we're going to look at the life of Elijah. I'm going to tell you briefly his story, and then we're going to read the text and get some insights. Now, what's interesting about the Bible is most of the lessons that are learned on the Bible are learned via story. It's not like, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. That's not most of the Bible. Most of the Bible is this story about the beauty and the wonder of who God is within the context of broken people like you and me. And so I want you to stick with this because you're going to go hit dark times. You're going, you might be in dark times right now or you might have just left a dark time and you wondered how could it be a little bit better for the next time when I go through those dark times. Now, the story of Elijah is really quite interesting. Elijah is a prophet from God. There's no history. He just comes on the scene. He confronts the king, tells the king, there is not going to be any rain till I say so. For the next three years, till I say so. You can imagine in an agricultural society how a king would take that. That's like an act of war. Like, what are you, threatening me? Elijah flees. Three years later, not a drop of water. Hides uh, away from this king. This king wants him killed. Goes to the king and says, hey, uh, three years pass. Goes to the king and says, hey, God is God. Not the gods that you've been worshiping. Because you see, at that time, Ahab had done something that had rarely been done in uh, Israel. Usually, Israel was surrounded by these nations who would worship all these other gods, and then Israel would, you know, kind of drift and then come back or, you know, mix a little bit. But what Ahab had done is he had literally brought that pagan religion into the people of God, and they bought it hook, line, and sinker. They were worshiping ba Baal. Elijah confronts the king. He says, I want you to bring all your, your, your priests of Baal. I want us to meet in the garden. In essence, he goes, my God can kick your God's butt. And I'm going to prove it on like, you know, in, in the, uh, the uh, Barclay Center. Like, you know, just the biggest possible venue. So they all go to the mountain. As they, as they go to the mountain, there are hundreds of these priests to Baal. And they say this. They say, okay, here's what's going to happen. We're going to uh, put um, two sacrifices together. We're going to sacrifice a bull. And whoever God, whichever God responds, that's the God that we should worship. And he, he literally chooses a... Uh, an event that their God should be good at because their God is the God of uh, 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 fertility. So rain, you, you can imagine, like, you know, rain and storms and thunder and all that other stuff. All of that is with their God. So he goes, okay, let's see. So they have this time. And then the, uh, the priests of Baal, they're crying out to their God, but their God won't do anything with their sacrifice, crying out. And, and Elijah starts making fun of them. It's very funny. He even asked them, oh, maybe your God can't hear you. Maybe he's in the bathroom. True story. And then, no, I'm not making that up. That's actually in the Hebrew. And so he goes, he's, he's actually in the urinal or something. And so, and then after they do that all day, 
he comes in and he says, I don't want anybody to think that there's, nothing, that there's any shenanigans here. He cuts up the animal, puts it in the thing. He says, throw some water on it, throw some more water on it, throw some more water until the water is overflowing. And then he just goes, God, do you. And God sends fire. Like, that consumes the, the sacrifice to the degree where it's, it's as dry as a bone. The water doesn't even survive. Like, nothing survives. It just gets sucked up. And the people go, oh, my goodness, God is God. We've been worshiping Baal. And they get rid of those priests. And you know what um, Elijah does? Elijah runs to the city, the main, the capital city. And he goes there and he thinks he's going to find a group of people who are worshiping God. Who are like, yo, God is here. Yahweh is the one. We love God. And he gets there and none of that is true. In fact, what he gets is a threat from the queen, Ahab's wife, Jezebel. Okay. Any of you have any kids that you named Jezebel? Go ahead and raise your hand. No. You know why? Because she is, the, she is one of the villains in this story along with Ahab. You, nobody names their kid Jezebel. I mean, nowadays people name their kids anything, but mostly for um, nobody names their kids Jezebel because she's a villain in the story. She goes, hey, yo. He thinks he's going to see banners. God changed my life. Now we know that God is true. Instead, he gets the threat. She says, you're as good as dead. And he's devastated. He's devastated because God did not behave the way he wished he had behaved. This is a breaking of a deal. God, I did everything that you wanted me to do. I've confronted the king. I went away and hid for three years. When you told me to confront the king again, I did. When you told me to go on the mountain and it was me versus hundreds of people, I did it. And all I wanted was that this outcome would come, that the people would worship God. And none of it happened. I mean, it's not an uncommon thing, right? We come to church hoping God fixes our marriage and it doesn't get any better. We're hoping that God helps us with our health issue and it just doesn't change. We're praying that God changes us from our addictions and we keep going back and back and back. What does one do? Elijah runs away. He runs away and God meets him. God doesn't give him a lecture. He gives him a meal. And then he sends him on a journey. And after this journey, that's where we find our hero in the text. Let me read it to you. Won't you stand while I read this to you? Remember, we're looking for what God can teach us in this moment. We're looking for what God can show us in the moment where you've done everything that God wanted you to do and everything goes wrong and nothing happens the way you wished it had. Where the cancer is not beaten. Where the job is not kept. Where the marriage 
falls apart. <laughs> where, where you go back to the same painful behavior. There he, that's Elijah, went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went over and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altar, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elijah, son of Shaphat, from Abel Mahalo, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And that ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. So we're still in the story of Elijah, and we're going to look briefly at how God meets him in his despair. But what we learn in the story of Elijah can also be applied to our own despair, our own heartache, our own brokenness. What does God do? When God meets Elijah in his despair, the first thing God does is God asks a question to clarify God asks a question to clarify. Now, here's an interesting thing about questions. I, I wonder if you know this about questions. When I ask a question, I am gathering information. But God doesn't need to gather information. God doesn't ask questions to gather information. God asks questions to clarify your own thinking. That's what God asks. Do you know what the question is? What are you doing here? It's a good question, isn't it? What are you doing? 
Mama, we left that behind. What are you doing here in this room with this man? We left all that behind. What are you doing here? No, we left that, that alcohol behind. What? Are you doing in the bodega buying that alcohol? What are you doing here? Oh, I just walked by their office because I like them, you know, we're having trouble at my, in my marriage and they're just a little bit of levity, you know, there's, there's le levity and, 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 and kindness and joy towards one another. No, 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 no. beloved, beloved, beloved. ¿Qué tú estás haciendo aquí? What are you doing here? Beloved, it's a good question to ask yourself. What are you doing here? You've made a wrong turn. You've gone the wrong way. Notice that Elijah, when he answers the Lord, he's full of self-pity. Full of, his perspective is completely shot. God goes, how do, what are you doing here? How do we get here? How do we get here? What are you doing here? There's a process. God asks a question, and his questions are for clarity. Keep that in mind. Second thing that God does and in these next two things, we see where the first question leads to the next two. God presents an invitation to silence. First, God asks a question to bring clarity to the prophet Elijah. Then he presents an invitation to silence. He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And it's interesting because God allows earth, wind, and fire, not the band, to show up and present themselves to Elijah. The earthquake, the wind, fire. It's interesting because God shows up in that way throughout the Bible, but not here. You see, here's the thing. Elijah had just seen the pyrotechnics of God. He's seen God move in a powerful way. He's seen God do the impossible. And nothing changed. That's why when people go, you know, I could believe if, if you know, you know, I could believe in God if like Jesus showed up right now, like melted through the wall. And then I would believe. I go, you know, I would believe you if I didn't know you. If I didn't, I would believe that statement if I didn't know people. I'm telling you, as a pastor, I've seen God heal hearts, remove cancer, like do impossible things, like 47 year sentence in jail to nothing on a technicality. Like God do impossible things and people run back to their field. I've seen it in myself. 
and I've seen it in you. See, God is trying to meet Elijah in the only place that matters, which is in his presence, silent before the Lord. But this might be the most challenging aspect of how God meets Elijah because of the culture that we're in. We're in a culture. We're in a culture of distraction. I can't even give you all the statistics. Let me give you one, though. The average iPhone user touches their phone 2,516 times a day. A day. 2,516 times in a 24-hour period. That's the average. Some of you, above average. It is breathtaking how distracted we are. The average iPhone user also, I'll give you one more statistic, spends three hours and 15 minutes on their phone. How can I be alone in silence with the Lord if I'm so committed to being distracted away from the Lord? It just can't be done. But God is presenting himself and he's saying, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there. I want you to be there when I get there. I want you to tune the radio of your heart to my heart. And sometimes it's not the pyrotech. It's not the healing of the cancer. It's not that. It's in the silence. To be away, isolated with the Lord. For Gene, that could only be had in a rehab. He, he had to go away for that, to experience the kind of healing that God does in silence. Can I just say this? Some of you, you should go to a detox. I don't even know how to say that any other way. You need to go to a detox. You need help. You need to go away and be silent. You're never, ever going to be free unless you do something radical and different. But for some of us, it's, it's, it's making in our, in our little furnished room a little corner with a chair, and we go, that's the chair for silence and prayer before the Lord. And that if three weeks go by and we don't sit in that chair... And three weeks have gone by where we have not prayed and been silent before the Lord, but it's our corner. It's our cave, if you will, where you'll meet the Lord. God shows up. And it's, it's so powerful here. It says, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a, a gentle whisper. Isn't that interesting? A gentle whisper. What's really interesting about that is that in the Hebrew, the actual, uh, if, uh, the actual translation, nobody translates it because it doesn't make any sense. It says this, God came to him in the sound of sheer silence. You can understand why nobody translates it that way because, of course, what on earth is the sound of sheer silence? It doesn't make any sense. Well, that's how God shows up. 
Beloved, if we're going to go through our times of despair, if we're going to be a community of peace in a world of distraction, we're going to need to spend. So right now, for you, for some of you, God is meeting with you right now. And this, but this ain't silence. This is good, but this is not the silence that we're talking about. There needs to be a sense where we go, oh no, just me and the Lord. Just me and the Lord. Not me talking, 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 talking. Me waiting on the Lord, me resting in the Lord, me looking to the Lord. It's silence, but it doesn't end in silence. If we're going to get through the despair of our lives, God's going to have to confront us with some clarity. He's going to have to invite us into silence, but and then he's also going to have to Give us an opportunity to serve. That's our third. God gives the prophet Elijah an opportunity to serve. Do you see that in the text? He says, go back the way you came. This is in verse 15. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, do this and this and this. You see, if it was all about silence, then all the introverts, like me, in the room, just grow in their self-centeredness and go, oh no, God needs me to be silent so that I'm going to be away from everybody because we're introverts. And it's not, we're not doing it unto the Lord, we're just doing it, we're feeding ourselves. But if it was just service, then the workaholics would just simply say, oh, I'm going to stay busy, 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 busy for the Lord. But there's no connecting with Jesus. It is not activity or inactivity. It is silence and serving. Elijah is given a series of things. He's to lay hands on three people. And it's interesting because the three, the things that he's supposed to do address his, and by the way, did you notice that Elijah, I checked, Did you notice that absolutely every word is identical? Both times, Elijah goes to the cave and he goes, I've been faithful to the Lord. And he goes on and on and on like that. And he goes, nobody's faithful to you, only me. And then after he experiences the Lord, it's exactly the same response. And here's the beauty. God uses, God's got nothing but broken people to use. So don't use your brokenness as an excuse not to serve the Lord. So, we're going to finish, but i got to show you this. I bet you were wondering why I had these guys up here. For those of you who are on audio, uh, we have two, what do you call them, stuffed animals. They're both dogs. One is really big and one is small. Okay. If you're going to go through the difficulties of life, if you're going to go through the difficulties of marriage, if you're going to experience, if you're going to be able to get through the despair of singleness and the loneliness of singleness, if you're going to go through that cancer diagnosis, if you're going to go through the financial difficulty, you're going to have to get what Elijah learned. You're going to have to be invited into silence and serving. It's not one or the other. It's both. God will come to you. And so, for some of us, This is our doing. 
And we do, 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 just remain busy. You know why? Because you can't deal with the emotional hurt of your wife leaving you. You know why? Because you can't deal with the stress of what the doctor says. You know why? Because you can't deal with another bill saying overdue. And so you keep yourself busy. And your time with the Lord in silence is like this. You know, I got my five minutes in the morning. I have an email that goes to my uh, inbox and I look at my verse and I go, thank you, Jesus. And I keep it moving. But this is your life. You got to keep it. Listen, listen, listen. Listen, we all, I, I get it. I understand. Me too. We got to protect our hearts somehow. The weight of the world is too much. The despair is too great. The pain too much. I get it. Keep busy. I get it. I'm just saying it's not the gospel way. Or some of us will isolate ourselves, calling it prayer and solitude with the Lord. Isolate ourselves away from everyone. Tell, tell the very few people that we come around how much we read the scriptures and pray and all that other stuff. But the serving of others is very little indeed. No one, listen, your tears don't benefit anyone. Your pain doesn't bless nobody. Because you do you. And you're by yourself. And you're a loner. Go back to your isolation. That's another way. Or, here's a thought. What if our silence and solitude we're more in balance. Not isolation from everyone or workaholism, but this, listen, listen, listen. We're talking about how to get through the tough times of life. This is not a joke. This will happen to you. You will go through times where a suicide will look like a, a real alternative. Elijah learned something. And he didn't grow it. He didn't grow. He just stood stuck. But the Lord never stopped. There was a service that he was to do. And there was a silence that he was to sit. Interestingly enough, we know that Elijah got it in the end. Because there was another mountain that Elijah came to. And this time, he was with a buddy of his, Moses, who had lived hundreds of years before. And he goes up to a mountain with Moses and Elijah. He doesn't go up, he actually comes down from heaven. And he meets with Jesus. Some things never change. God would still meet with Elijah on a mountain. 
And Elijah would discover that the reason that he could have hope in the silence and strength in the serving is because there was one who would serve at the cost, not the risk, but the cost of his life. And he would give it up freely. And as, and as sheep are silent when they go towards the shears, Jesus was silent. And he gave his life up so that you and me could experience relationship with him that when we go through the moments of despair, our lives are filled with serving others and sitting silently before the Lord. Now listen, we've been talking about silence for a long time, a long time. I want you to practice it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to reflect on the beauty and the wonder of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. And I want you to sit in that. Here's something I sit in. I go, Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's an um, Eastern Orthodox uh, prayer. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Just praying that over and over in the silence. And then serving. Now we have so many opportunities to serve. Next week, we're going to spend the entire uh, time together talking about what does it look like to serve within this community. I'm telling you now, so that you could prepare your hearts, not so that you could skip the service because you just want to be all about you. I'm telling you now so that you could ask God. So when your heart says, oh, I don't want to go because it's about service and all I want to be is served, so what's the point of me going because I'm not going to serve anybody? Rather than doing that, just going, okay, God, would you just, by your spirit, change my heart from being this self-centered heart to be surrendered to you.